Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, November 3rd, and it's a beautiful day here in Jacksonville. And we'd like to give a shout out to all of our stations uh, up in uh, Virginia on the Lighthouse on 1270 AM, 100.1 FM. In Meridian, Mississippi on uh, WMER, 93.1 FM on WMOX, 1010 AM. And to the folks up in Folkestone, Georgia on 91.3 FM and in St. Augustine, 91.9 FM. Thanks for tuning in today. Today is guest day every uh, Thursday. We usually have a guest, either local or somebody who is uh, nationally having an influence for our King Jesus. And today I'm excited to have a brother named Todd Wagner. Todd is the founding pastor of a church in Dallas called Watermark Community Church. He's the author of a book called Come and See. And uh, after 22 years, Todd stepped away from the leadership of the church to pursue building and serving a network of leaders both in the business uh, and ministry community, as well as in public service, media, and other areas of influence. He's the president of Unhindered Ministries and the founder of the 1613 Project, which we're going to uh, ask him about today. And he, uh, 1613, he says, exists to encourage, equip, and empower leaders and their organizations to be steadfast in the face of cultural pressure, which is a great thing we're going to talk about as well. He's been a keynote speaker uh, both uh, at national and international conferences as well as a contributor to uh, the Gospel Coalition, Dallas Morning News, Fox News, other media uh, programs, and uh, has had produced some video podcasts like The Real Truth Real Quick. Uh, He's got a a, a great uh, Twitter, (laughs) Words from Wags, and uh, I think Instagram a site that you can check out, but we are excited to have Todd Wagner here today on the program. Todd, welcome to SWAT Radio. Doug, it is a privilege to be here, and hello to all your SWAT uh, radio listeners. Yeah, uh, Todd, just as a reminder, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And when I think about the 1613 Project, uh, what you talk about to be steadfast in the face of cultural pressure to compromise on the truth specifically, boy, do we need something like that today? Wow, it's terrible out there, isn't it? Well, listen, truth is uh, always a very valuable commodity. When you lose truth, you're going to lose um, all your anchors and all your baselines for everything you need for uh, for goodness and righteousness, and so. Yes, it's always been the case. One of the things that I like to tell people, Doug, is as bad as things are today, we should not see this as unusual or new. I mean, any any cursory reading of the New Testament shows that God has always wanted individuals that were going to, and, and, I, and I get the 1613 Project, you know, some of your listeners may know about the 1619 Project, which is not a good thing, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, basically a, um, a rewriting of American history and trying to uh, separate us instead of bring us together under 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 truth and true history. But the 1613 project, I, I grabbed that name really because it's a reference not to a year. Because a lot of folks have looked at it and go, man, what happened in 1613? I know what happened in 1619 is when the pilgrims came over. Mm-hmm. But 1613 is not a year; it's a reference to, to scripture. And the scripture is uh, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, 
act like men is what the NAS and ESV says. That's Romans sixteen thirteen, isn't it? No, sir. First, first, Corinthians, first Corinthians. I mean, yeah, First Corinthians. Yeah, and, and and listen, fourteen is just as important, which says, "Let all you do be done in love." Mm-hmm. And so that's always been God's command to us. And it, like I said, even a cursory reading of Scripture tells us that that's what. Ever since, frankly, the Garden of Eden, whenever the, the liars showed up, God was just saying, now, "Listen, guys, there's going to be a constant temptation to pull your heart away from me, and you better be on the alert mm-hmm. and keep your eyes fixed on me." It, it wasn't Jesus at the time; it was just God the Father. Uh, you know, I am the author and perfecter of all this, you know, paradise that you're looking at. And as long as you have a relationship with me, things are going to go well. But if it doesn't, it's going to go south pretty quickly. And so the way God redeems that is by having godly men that stand firm in the faith, that uh, pick up godly men and women. You know, actually, the word, it's so interesting because some some translations, Doug, it says, be courageous or act courageously. Mm-hmm. In fact, all the translations of NAS and ESV translate 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen as act courageously. And, and so you have to ask yourself, why is ESV and NAS say act like men? And that's because the root word in Greek for courage is man. Mm. And uh, they're inseparable, right? Now, listen, we need godly women. God never intended our world uh, to exist just with strong men. He wanted strong Adams and strong Eves. But uh, there is a unique responsibility to the headship that God has given men, and guys get in trouble when they confuse their their headship, you know, uh, their their role of servant leader with their rank mm. <laughs> and yeah. the natural physical strength that God's given us. You know, with uh, instead of using that to serve and protect, we use it to abuse and uh, you know to make other folks suffer. But anyway, I, I I will tell you that the way that we run up against the challenges that we see today is when Godly men and women stand firm in the faith, and in the face of criticism, stand strong, and then they do it in a way, because I think God really cares about how we do it. You know, we've seen some recent politicians who people go, well, he finally is standing up to him. But uh, God doesn't want us just to stand up. He wants us to stand up as individuals that let all we do be done in love. How we do it is just as important as what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting that you you bring up that act like men. We use that a lot at SWAT because SWAT primarily is about us speaking to men because uh, we've had a problem with the the men of the church. You know, typically, Todd, and I know you see this. You 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 were a leader of a very large church in the Dallas area for a long time. What is it about church? and men that the women just tend to be a lot more uh, involved than men? Well, I think, first of all, I don't think it's because men don't want to be. I think it's because most pastors um, have lowered the standard of what it means to be an individual who follows Jesus, that it doesn't capture the hearts and imaginations of men. Uh, God, God has designed us to make a difference. He's designed us to be missional in our living. And in our purpose. And if all I want you to do as a pastor, and I mean, this is, I think you mentioned at the beginning that, that the book I scribbled down, Come and See, yeah. you know, in there I talk about how most pastors cut a deal with their body. And that, that, that basically is the deal is this. You come here, you validate me with your presence, you give me enough money to keep the lights on, I won't ask too much of you, and we'll both tell each other we're doing what God wants us to do. That is not an inspiring call, yeah. right? 
I, I used to tell people all the time, I could care less if you come to listen to me. I mean, it is important that we gather together as saints to study God's Word, encourage each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that when the Scripture says, don't forsake your assembly together, it was just talking about one hour a week. I think it, frankly, is more reference to every day. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I the reason that most men are not enthralled with what's happening at the church is because the church is not on mission. The mission of too many churches is to get guys to come there and to fund what they're doing, which, frankly, if you look at it, if it was a business, would have been shut down years ago. Yeah. And that's not true of all churches, and I hope that your listeners are not part of those kind of churches. I hope when your listeners think about their church, they think about the most effective, Christ-honoring, kingdom-advancing community that they know. But the reason that there's so many parachurch ministries is too many guys have got to leave their church to be engaged in ministry. Mm-hmm. Because too many churches are cutting a deal, and um, you know, and, and pastors dumb down the high call of Christ. You know, I, I will tell you that one of the things that I was most proud of at Watermark in Dallas was uh, a lot of people said, "Todd, this is a man's church." And and listen, if it's a man's church, it's a woman's church, and it's a children's church. Mm-hmm. But if it's a woman's church and a children's church, it may not be a man's church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially right now in our culture, you know, there's this fight against uh biblical manhood and they associate biblical manhood with toxic masculinity that's the term that's been ascribed to anybody who holds to biblical values about manhood whether it's in marriage whether it's in you know your gender or any of those things how have you responded to that with your ministry uh specifically because because that's a big cultural pressure we're experiencing right now well, listen, what we are fighting about all the time is what is truth. We, you mentioned that 15 seconds into our conversation. Yeah. And, and one of the ways to change truth is to redefine words. That's mm-hmm. what liars always do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll, you'll find that the enemy isn't afraid of, um, of twisting the word of God. He'll use the word of God, but he'll twist it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I think again and again, what we have to do is reclaim those words. So manhood, right? Let's define manhood. In fact, one of the things that, uh, you know, when you put little adjectives in front of manhood, now you're starting to make less of it, right? Mm-hmm. So toxic in front of manhood is not biblical manhood. Mm-hmm. Biblical manhood is manhood, okay? <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, it, 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 you're, you're saying the same thing twice. Biblical truth is truth. Is that kind of like saying a born-again Christian, Todd? (laughs) Well, so so here's what I would say. That's a classic example, Doug. So when somebody says, Todd, are you a born-again Christian? I I don't ever answer that with a yes or a no. I go, well, define a born-again Christian. (laughs) And they go, well, are you a right-wing, always-vote-Republican, you know, uh, oppressive, intolerant, bigoted, uh, hating gays, uh, you know, person who puts down women and, and just is, is uh, hard to be with. Like, no, that's not who I am. <laughs> right. And so a lot of times, you know, even like when people talk about church, I go, well, define church. What do you think the church is? Mm-hmm. And then I've got to reclaim those words. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, you know, not just take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We got to make sure that the words we're using are being used the way that God designed them to be used. Mm-hmm. It's always a battle for truth. And when you're, you know, this is what propagandists do. Propagandists don't communicate truth. They change truth. 
through the use of their words. There's not just fake news. There's fake words that describe when you make manhood toxic, you have already perverted it, mm. right? Now, listen, man, like, like, you know, Doug, uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I can't tell you how many times I read that. Mm. And I thought, man, I know I'm not the guy that, you know, I should be. I've got to get my act together. And, and, and that's not well, that verse is not a shaming verse. Mm-hmm. It's just a verse stating a fact. When, when men sin, when men leave God, depart from the way, the truth and the life, we become less than God intended men to be. So let me just tell you, sinful men are toxic. Mm. Sinful women are toxic. Mm-hmm. Sin is toxic. Mm, OK. Yeah. And so how do you correct toxicity? You, you know, or you add base to the alkaline to get it back to neutral. Mm-hmm. And the base is truth. And truth is not just what sets us free. Truth is what gets us back, you know, living not according to our own way, which leads to death, but living not according to our own understanding. So God can make our path straight. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just when, when uh, this is a it's not just a war of words. It's a war of definition of words. Mm-hmm. And and there's a reason that a lot of people let's just be honest. A lot of people have had really bad experiences with church, really bad experiences with men. And our job is not to to, to add to that. Our job is to propose a better way mm-hmm. and invite them in to the way that will bring honor and glory to Christ and and hope to others. So. That's why I just don't grow weary in doing good, right? Because I want to stand firm in the faith. And there's a lot of people. One of my favorite questions to ask folks when I'm talking to them, I say, man, have you ever met what you think a person would look like if they really knew God? Like somebody that followed Jesus, that was everything that a person who knew the living God was like. Have you ever met that person? Mm. And it's amazing how many people that are angry at God Mm -hmm. go, no, I don't think I ever have. Well then, why would why are we surprised when the word Christian or the word church or the word Bible is offensive to them? Mm-hmm. And so all we can do, none of us are going to be the perfect example of that. But all we can do is, as the Scripture says, sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts, right? And then mm-hmm. always be prepared to make a defense when anyone asks us to give an account for the hope that is within us, and do that with gentleness and reverence. Yeah, that's good. Well, Todd, you have, uh, if I remember right, either six or seven. You got six children, right? Six children. Six kids. That's right. And, yeah. Uh, and you have any grandkids? We're up to nine. Actually, I, you know, listen, I'll be honest. Yeah. I say we're up to thirteen. We've lost uh, a lot uh, of kids. I believe life begins in the womb, and yeah. uh, but we have uh, eight on the ground and nine is in the oven. <laughs> eight on the ground and nines in the, in the we, oven. We've lost a few that the Lord did. It wasn't in the Lord's plan for us to hold, but we've had 13 grandchildren and eight that are with us and, and nine hopefully is coming. Okay. So did you change with your, do, do you treat your grandkids different than your kids? Just curious. <laughs> That's a great question. Listen, I'll be honest the old joke. Anybody who has grandkids, uh, knows that, you know, they tell you that being a, a, a grandparent or a granddad is a reward you get for not killing your children. <laughs> yeah. And while that's funny and gets, gets a laugh, it's a cheap laugh. And I don't think it's true. I loved being a dad. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love being a grandfather, I love being a dad even more. Mm-hmm. And so do I treat my grandkids different? Well, I have to, because I'm not in the primary parental role. Uh-huh. But I, I, um, I mean, I, I tell my wife all the time, and listen, 
you know, parenting is a young man's game for sure. But I hate every time that they leave uh, because my life right now is not ordered to be focused on six kids running around my house. Yeah. And so I'm still doing everything I am. And then there's kids here and I kind of have to get back to the new schedule that God's given me. But when they're here, I want to be just as present, just as intentional, just as um, committed to shepherding their hearts as I was my own kids. So, yes, because I only have them for a little bit, they get to eat things in my house that they don't get to eat at their house, and we get to do fun things. It's kind of like what I tell people all the time. Being a grandparent is kind of like having a spring break romance. It's not rooted in reality. (laughs) Most of us in high school, you know, we meet some girl on the beach. We don't have any responsibilities, no class to go to. Nobody's working. It's vacation. Of course we fall in love in spring break, right? But you get that girl back in your hometown, and you have to love and serve her and uh, and care for her. There's you know, a lot the more responsibility than uh, just on spring yeah. break. Yeah, and so being a grandparent is kind of like a spring break romance, man. You never, have, you don't have the reality of daily, uh, you know, good food intake and homework. You know, you just get to be the party guy. So, That's do funny. I treat them differently? My role is different, but my heart for them and desire to shepherd them and direct their hearts towards Christ is exactly the same. That's yeah, that's good. Well, I want to I want to get into the book. Come and see in a minute. I want to get into an illustration you shared. But before I do that, uh, I would like for you to share a little bit of your journey. Like when you were in high school, uh, you said when we were with you a few weeks ago that uh, you know you you weren't looking to be a pastor. You had other plans. What? What? How did God? How did God get your attention? First of all, and how did He draw you in, and then get you to where you are right now? Well, listen. Our biggest problem. If I could teach individuals one thing, if I could give people one gift, it would be the gift of knowing the goodness of God. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think of Psalm eighty-four. It, it's just it's one of my favorite psalms because you have to keep reading it because you can't believe. It's true. And when you get to the end of Psalm 84, Doug, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it talks about how the Lord is a sun and shield, right? And so that's mm-hmm. poetic language. Yeah. And he wants us to ask ourselves, well, what's that mean? So sun gives light, mm-hmm. shield gives protection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so it, it says this, the Lord is a sun and shield. I think this is verse 11 down through the end of, the, uh, of uh, Psalm 84, which is 12 verses. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who love him. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and then it's, it, the, the psalm ends with just basically, Lord of hosts, have less is the man who trusts in you. I, my problem is I didn't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I was around church people, not Christ followers. And, and those two things should not be different. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of those guys, when you said the word church, I immediately thought boring, irrelevant, out of touch, hypocritical, indifferent to, you know, not missional, not purpose-driven. It was a place you went on Sundays. And the only only miracle I saw in the church is that folks kept showing up to this place that was making no apparent difference in their life. Oh my! Now listen, yeah. there has always been godly communities of faith, but that was my experience. And so the last thing I wanted to do was to run a average weekly meeting of a bunch of bored adults. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and so right, I yeah. mean that was not my vision of a purposeful life. I just didn't know the Lord. I didn't know Christians. I didn't know Christ followers. And God used the ministry of Young Lives to introduce me to people who lived missionally mm-hmm. and who knew that God gives grace and glory. 
right? Mm-hmm. I started this, forgive me, and I, I kind of got sidetracked, but where it says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, yeah. you know, what, what it says is when we as men act separate from and apart from God's intention for us, it is a diminished manhood. It's a diminished glory. Mm-hmm. And men, God intends for us to carry as image bearers the glory and goodness of who he is. Mm-hmm. And when we are reconciled to him, he restores that glory. Not not all the way until we are glorified and we fully know as we're fully known. But what happened with me is I finally got introduced to the God of the Scriptures. And when I saw that no good thing does he withhold from those who hold up rightly, you know, I was one of those guys that thought, man, all God does is take, right? He, he wants me to do things I don't want to do and not do things I do want to do. Why would I want a relationship with him? Mm-hmm. But that was because I didn't know the Lord. I was ignorant. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was filled with my own confidences of how I could find meaning, purpose, and hope, and joy, and pleasure in life apart from Him. So mm. uh, I just, I love, God slowly let me get to know Him. And when I knew Him, I just wanted to be able to share with other people. I mean, the book Come and See is really, you know, taken from the conversation that, you know, there is in the very end of John chapter 1, where uh, Nathaniel and and uh, Philip are hanging out, and, and Philip says to Nathaniel, listen, come and see. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, I can take it back. Nathaniel said to Philip, come and see. And uh, no, I got it wrong. It is Philip. Philip <laughs> says, Nathaniel, come and see. And Nathaniel says, come and see what? And if Philip had said another rabbi, mm-hmm. Nathaniel would have said, I, the last thing I need is another rabbi. But when Philip just said, just come and see, come and meet this Jesus, come and meet this teacher who is not like the other rabbis you know. Come and experience the kindness and goodness of God that exists in this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then you'll know what, why I want you. As a friend, I want to share with you the goodness, okay, of God. And Philip had found that in Jesus, and he wanted Nathaniel to know it. So for me, when I came to know Christ, I, I, I was rescued from the perversion. I was rescued from the, the, the false representation of what the church and life with Christ was. And, and so I just want to invite my friends into it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never really wanted to go into vocational ministry. And I, I don't like that word because vocational ministry comes from the Latin word vocare, which means a calling. And Doug and any SWAT listener out there, if any of us know Jesus, we have a calling on our life. We're all kingdom priests. We're all kingdom priests. We're all king with the kingdom of priests. So I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it my what I did, you know, for my 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 job, quote unquote. I just want to do it with my life. And but but honestly, what happened with me? I was actually headed to law school and doing all that different stuff. I just found myself filled with so much joy and so much fruit, I couldn't stop. So my desire to do business and law and those kind of things never diminished. It was just that my desire to continue to um, call other people to know God and walk with him just surpassed it. And I looked up, lo and behold, and I was pastoring a church. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I just remember it was fun. It struck me that when we were there, because I live in Ponte Vedra, actually, and you said your dream was to go to Ponte Vedra, and that just really well, struck me. When you know you what? Said I think that. it was because I, I, I don't know why I said Ponte Vedra. I usually, uh, you know, uh, maybe because we had visited or whatnot. But what Doug's talking about to the listeners is Doug and I were just together up uh, at a place where um, a, a couple of our, our each of us have a child that is uh, right now continuing their education in kind of a gap year, link year program. My son's playing ball up there, and, and, and Doug has an amazing, amazing little girl who's uh, 
taking a gap year before she goes down to A&M. But, but yes, what I tell people is I was going to be the guy because I really didn't know. I thought I had to manage my relationship with God. You know, I, I, I couldn't give God too much of me because I thought God was going to rip me off. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so my plan was to be a good Christian and make a ton of money, have a place in Vail and have a place in, you know, uh, Ponte Vedra or in <laughs> Naples or wherever that I would let the young life guy use one week out of the year. So I feel good about owning it and <laughs> yeah. then I could do what I want to do whenever I wanted to do it. Yeah. And the kindness and goodness of God just, you know, uh, like overtook me. And I realized that, you know, there's nothing wrong with wealth and owning a place in Vail and nothing wrong with wealth and a place in Ponte Vedra. What the Lord wants us to do, though, is to enjoy him. And he tells us that a whole lot more comes with that. And I will just tell you, that's been my experience. Yeah, that's uh, well. And and you have uh, you've seen him do that and in so many ways. And what, when we, we're, we're about to go to the break for the news. But I just want to remind our listeners, uh, the psalm you quoted again was Psalm 84. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly um, and, and, and really walk with him to know him. And Todd's book, Come and See, is available at Amazon.com. And uh, you, you can go there and pretty much it's going to share with you these things he said. But you, if you want to go to Twitter or Instagram, he has a, a Twitter tag of words from Wags. His last name is Wagner. So words from Wags altogether on Twitter and Instagram. You can stay up with him that way. And, uh, or you can get his book and uh, go to, uh, go to Amazon order, come and see, we're going to come back in just a minute and, uh, we're going to have him share. I want to have him share a story he shared with us a few weeks ago, uh, at uh, link here, uh, about his son. And I think it'd be instructive for us because we live in a time where parents are compromising a lot. We talked about compromise with 1613 in our culture. Parents, we're compromising with our kids. And he gave a great illustration that taught his son a lesson, taught his other kids a lesson. In fact, it's a family legacy now. And, Todd, when we come back, I'd like you to share about the green algae, okay? (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. If you want to listen to today's program or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Click on the past programs link, and it'll take you there. We're going to be right back with more of Todd Wagner uh, when we return after the news. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That's uh, Brandon Heath with Give Me Your Eyes. Uh, you know, Todd, we we have Todd Wagner on SWAT Radio today, and I'm so great, grateful that Todd agreed to be on. He's the founding pastor of Watermark Church, great church in uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, he's the author of the book Come and See. And I was with Todd a couple of weeks ago in uh, Branson, Missouri, a good friend of ours, um, 
uh, uh, was been running a camp there for years, and I worked with uh, Joe for a long time with Men at the Cross, and um, the, Adam Donye started this great uh, link year program there, which is a gap year program for kids. Parents, if you're out there and you don't have to send your kids to college right out of high school, uh, I don't know where we got that idea, but that's like s- sending them in a lot of places today into a, just a cesspool of ideas. And uh, the Linkier program is a great place. Uh, uh, it's at Branson, Missouri, and they they teach these kids pillars. And, and, you know, Todd, I didn't get really a chance to talk to you about your son. My daughter has really uh, grown a lot from having to do some of the defense of the faith issues there. How, how has it been for your son a good thing as well, not just the sports? Yeah, no, listen, uh, so Canica is a big part of my background. I worked there for 10 years, all through the 80s and early 90s before I, I, I came down and got involved in church work. But um, I, uh, it's been really fun to watch you know, camp get to be around all my friends that are up there, and they do a really good job of teaching you know, a Christian worldview and helping people understand um, how if you don't, again, see the world through the lens of truth, it's going to uh, affect every step you take. I mean, we all know, uh, thanks to Amy Grant in the 80s, you know, that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so if you don't have the lamp of God's word uh, enlightening or illuminating the way you're walking, you, then then your view of the world is going to be darkened and it's going to lead to stumbling and it's going to lead to a lot of falls and a lot of trouble. So it's really great to have a program like uh, Joe and Adam have gone on up there that are really helping kids deepen in their convictions and giving them a chance to respond to some of the things they're going to be hit with when they when they walk onto their campus and find their nihilistic atheistic philosophy professor who tells them that the Bible's full of contradictions. Yeah, well, you know, I we were there last year when our older daughter was there, and one of the reasons our, Ellie, our daughter who's there now, is a real academic child. I mean, she just blew the the SAT away and was a, a really had a good GPA, got accepted at A and M, and she really, I, I believe with my heart, considered it like not a good thing to go there. Like you know, those kind of kids want to go right into the academic school and get in in college. But Adam said last year, listen, your kids need. They're going into a very, very mind-bending place when they go to college campuses today. It's much worse than when you or I went through college. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's so different. And so I'm just very thankful for it. And uh, I, I was glad they had you come and share there, really, to be honest, because you shared a story about one of your sons. And uh, it said it was a family story, but it just was so good because it teaches consequences, something I think we've lost as parents today. We don't address these issues, especially as we're coming into the Christmas season. Would you mind sharing the green Nalgene story with our kids? I mean, <laughs> well, with our listeners, not our kids, but our listeners out there. Yeah, no, I, I you know, listen, in, in, in that book, Come and See, I actually tell another story that is as much, just as much, and it's a story about a fireball, which is in the very first chapter of that book, which I think is even uh, even better. But the green Nalgene story I use, because when we were up there at Canacock, Nalgene is just a uh, a form of plastic that, you know, was used for a lot of water bottles and things like that. I, when I was teaching up there at the family camp, you know, I had told my kids that they could go into 
the the snack shop, which they called the Bean, you know, and and get one snack a day. They could get one one drink and one uh, you know candy bar or ice cream a day. They didn't have to ask me. We had a tab that was running there, and I trusted that they wouldn't go back and wear it out, so they they could go in there and get what they wanted. So you know, because I've got six children, there there's a gap there. We had five in seven years, and we lost one, and then the Lord gave us another one. Uh, but Camp was ten years younger than his oldest sister, and um, you know, a good six years younger than his oldest brother. And the oldest brother and sister had gone in there and worked it out where they bought a Nalgene. Uh, and the Nalgene was a $15 purchase, but the beauty of it was it, it, it had unlimited refills of Coke or Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or whatever it was they were wanting to drink all week long. So by <laughs> buying that on Monday, there was they weren't limited to one trip to the bean. <laughs> And so, which, you know, it was uh, obviously a, a good decision because I hadn't been clear about my rules. And so we had a little family meeting that very first night because it wore out little camp. Camp was six at the time. And, and he was like, hey, how come they get to keep going back? You know, I got ripped off. I want to get a Nalgene. And his favorite color was green. And there was a green Nalgene that was in the store. <laughs> and so he wanted that green Nalgene. So badly, you know, that uh, I, I just said, well, buddy, look, the answer is no, because, you know, what you can do is you can, you know, Cooper will cut you in some of his unlimited refills and it's going to be their fault that we can find a plastic cup and we can just fill it up all day long for now eight of us, you know, in effect, and they didn't care. But uh, but Camp wanted his own green algae, and I tried to help him understand why that didn't make some sense. And so just being a dad, having fun, I sat down with him that night with all our family there at a little family meeting where we talked about why Nalgene's were no longer on the market. And I said, Camp, I'll tell you what, I'll let you get your green Nalgene, but your birthday's coming up in October, you're six, and, and we're going to cancel your birthday. We're going we're gonna to not, you know, you're not, you can't tell people you're six anymore until October because you'll just turn six in October because you're not going to be seven now for, you know, another 15 months. Hmm. And, uh, and he's like, great, good, give me the green Nalgene. <laughs> And I said, well, Camp, uh, I said, what, I go, what if I told you, you know, Allie, his older sister at the time was 15. And, uh, and I think we had one flip phone for the girls and one flip phone for the guys to keep in touch with them. But I said, all right, Camp, tell you what, how about I'll get you an iPhone when you're 12, right? That's, that's going to be at least four years before your siblings at that point. So uh, you'll get an iPhone when you're 12. And of course, his older brother and his sister were like, Camp, no, you can use my red now, Gene, just, just. <laughs> You're going to get an iPhone when you're 12. And he's like, I want the Nalgene. And so obviously now we're playing a game. He's six. He didn't understand what he was doing. But it just goes to show the folly of man. I actually added one more little thing to it. I shared that in the story where I just said, all right, Camp, no iPhone when you're 12, no birthday on October 29th, and we're going to cancel Christmas for you this year. Everybody else is going to come down, and they're going to open gifts, and there's going to be stuff from Santa, and they got their stockings and all this great stuff. And all I'm going to have for you is a green Nalgene sitting in the stocking. That's your entire Christmas. It's your entire birthday and no iPhone when you're 12. And, you know, uh, he, he, of course, stuck with that green now. <laughs> and so I ended up letting him get it. And I thought to myself, okay, we've got a real good object lesson here. And, and, and of course, his brothers and sisters were like, that. don't let him get it. He doesn't know what he's doing. I go, I know, he, I know you can't cut covenants when you're six years old. And so he's going to still have a birthday. He's not going to get an iPhone when he's 12. None of you did, but, uh, you know, and he's going to have a Christmas, but we're going to, this is going to be a good lesson. So anyway, fast forward, uh, I did a fun little thing to let him earn his birthday back, but Christmas was still going to be the object lesson. And uh, Christmas morning, and I've got pictures, when, when all the kids came tumbling down the steps, 
and there was all the stockings and everything in it. And, and Camp kind of ran over, and he looked under the tree, and there was nothing for Camp. He looked up at his stocking. There was that green Nalgene <laughs> <laughs> sitting in his stocking, and the, kind of the reality of his choice because, frankly, had I asked him on December 10th where his green Nalgene was, he couldn't even find it. You know, yeah. that thing had been out of his consciousness for three months. Yeah. But, man, on, uh, on July of, of that year, it was like it, uh, all I want, if I don't get that green Nalgene, my life is over. And so it was a really great story. And I used that, Doug. And I used that because, listen, so many of us are like that. I mean, I, this wasn't about a six-year-old being obsessed with free Coke. This is about me, you know. That was, what, 13 years ago? So I was 46 at the time. Mm-hmm. And the Lord just whispered gently to me, Todd, you're a lot like that. I keep telling you where the good stuff is. Mm-hmm. And you continue to believe that you know better than me, right? The reward of, uh, of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Mm. But, but man, when you don't live in humility before me, and when you're not filled with a right understanding of who I am that, that controls your consciousness, you keep grabbing, quote-unquote, green now genes mm. all the time. And so I use that with Proverbs 9, because Proverbs 9 is a great little proverb mm. that actually wisdom and folly are both personified as women okay and and wisdom it says in verse one has built her house she's tuned out her seven pillars which you know seven's the number of perfection in other words this is a glorious place to live everything is as it should be she's prepared her food she's mixed her wine she's she set the table you know she's set out maidens to call other people to come in from the heights of the city and calls out to the naive to the six-year-old to the 46-year-old to men that are listening to SWAT radio turn in here the one who lacks understanding should come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine that I have mixed. You know, one of the things that I, I love about God, he's, he's so confident in his goodness that he just, he's the one that says, come and see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Forsake your folly and live. Why don't you try me, right? Why don't you let go of sin for a little bit and try and walk in my way? Proceed in the way of understanding, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, if you just jump down, I think that's the first five or six verses. If you just jump down at the end of that chapter, the woman of folly is also standing there, mm-hmm. and she is boisterous. She's naive, and she knows nothing, but she also has a house, also at the high place of the city, and she calls in the exact same way, you know, out to the, the people that are passing by. To whoever's naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, come and get some of this. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Mm. But the naive... Do not know that the dead are there, hmm. that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And I, I just, you know, here was my six-year-old son. He just couldn't understand what he was giving up. And, and there's the, guys, Doug, that are listening to this radio program, that they just don't know what they're giving up when they don't live a life of devotion to Christ. Mm-hmm. They, they keep going back to porn. They keep going back to that relationship they know they shouldn't be in. They keep going back to sloth. They keep going back to um, not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. They keep going back to self-hate, self-loathing, uh, and whatever it might be. And God the whole time is just like, I mean, are you, are you weary and heavy laden? Come, and I'll give you rest. Mm-hmm. And you want to find, right? You want to find some other brothers, other SWAT guys. I love, you know, uh, what you're doing with your ministry and the way that you describe how you want men 
right? Uh, pursuing the word of God together. Mm-hmm. And, and when you get other men that are going to help you, like his brothers and sisters pleaded with Cam to not get that green now, Gene, mm-hmm. right? Now we let him do it, but good friends, right? Good friends don't let you get a green now, Gene. Mm-hmm. They don't let you keep grabbing that thing that looks life-giving, but it's going to be fleeting. It's going to make you weaker, not stronger. And it's going to have you forsake things that God in his kindness wants you to experience. So that was the green now, Gene. Well, and, but and every it, time, you know, at different times, when things would come up in our family, you know, later after that, we had, we had the story about the fireball, but also we would say, hey, bro, that's a green now, Gene. That is, a, I know it looks like irresistible and like you got to have it, but promise, I promise you, it's a green now, Gene. Okay. And it's ruin your Christmas. So how hard was it for you and your wife at Christmas to follow through on that? Was that hard? Uh, well, and again, yeah, so Doug, I don't want to act like it was a six-year-old's Christmas. And like, I, I made it really clear to my older five kids. Because Camp is the one that eats the trail. He's four years younger than the rest of them. I go, listen, I, I told him, I said, God lets you experience the fullness of your consequences. I did. It was hard for me to let him live in that for 10 minutes, which is how long his Christmas with just a green now gene lasted. <laughs> and we knew grace was coming. Yeah. Right? But for those 10 minutes, that little boy's heart. It was, was crushed, so wasn't it? It was broken. Yeah. It, just like, and I want to tell you something. As a father who loved him. It was hard for me to not let him share in the joy that I had provided for his siblings. Mm. I mean, it's such a great picture. Well, and it again, is. This was not for cancer. This yeah. was for me. Yeah. And, and, and God, people think that, that God punishes us because of our sin. No, sin is the punishment. Mm-hmm. And it breaks God's heart that we choose folly and death, right? Stolen bread, if you will, and, you know, uh, or stolen water, uh, which... And, and bread eat in secret. We, we, it just breaks his heart because he wants to put before us the delicacies of wisdom, mm-hmm. the food that's prepared, the mixed wine, all that's there at his table that he says is so much better. Listen, Doug, I've preached that story. I've lived that story. I used it. And I still, to this day, at, at 59, get attracted to green algae. Well, we all do. I not, mean, we do. We, the, not, you know? And if I'm not around godly men, right, if I'm not around the Word of God, if I'm not abiding with Jesus, I, I'm going to continue to go there. Even though it's true, no temptation's overtaken me, but such is it's common to man. And with the temptation, God provides the way of escape also. Part of that way of escape is that I don't live life in isolation, mm-hmm. right? I tell people all the time, yeah, fools good. isolate. Wise men seek solitude, mm-hmm. right? Time yeah. alone with the, the Master eating the bread of life and, 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 and journaling and praying, but fools isolate from other people. There's nothing in our life that gets better because we isolate. Well, I love that uh, Proverbs 9 passage for a couple of reasons. One, it clearly lays out two choices that you have. And and really, you know, you think about God as a whole and, and even eternal life. We either accept the invitation of wisdom or we reject it. You know, uh, and Satan does not make uh, the woman of folly look unappealing, just like the green Nalgene. It was it was something that was shiny. My wife and I were talking about this the other day, about the shiny objects that attract us a lot of times, and we don't think about the long-term consequences. We're consumed by the, the shininess of whatever we're looking at. Satan is the master at that, isn't he? I mean, uh, uh, at, 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 at deceiving us so to speak, you know? But if you want to, Doug, I don't know if you've got a spot on your website. I will send you a link. I gave this message years ago, and what I did, 
I went into a bar and I got one of those like Coors Light girls, you know, that yeah. that that standing there trying to get you a drink of beer, yeah. one of those cardboard cutouts, yeah, um, and uh, and made sure it wasn't too risque. <laughs> yeah, but I put but I put her up there on stage, and on the other side of the stage, I put a patinaed cutout of Lady Justice, right? And so you, Lady Justice, is a strong woman. Uh, holding scales in her hands, right? Because she's supposed to balance uh, truth and justice, and and grace and justice. And and I think, um, and 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 she she does things fairly. There's no un, you know, uh, Lady Justice is a picture of of righteousness and goodness in the land. Hmm. But she's not nearly as pill- uh, appealing as that Cruz Light girl. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. And, and I put different things at their feet. Hmm. And and. It was pretty obvious where our eyes always would go, hmm. but what was that? What, what I put at the feet of, of the Coors Light girl was sand, things that pass through your fingers, hmm. right? Um, and what I put at the feet of the lady, you know, uh, of wisdom, you know, was exactly what it says, you know, in the Proverbs is what you're going to experience when you, you know, walk with the Lord and, and seek His way, right? So uh, in, in Proverbs three, it just talks about how uh, the wisdom is better than silver and better than fine gold, more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what our eyes do is go to fleeting things. They keep running to green nalgings. Mm-hmm. And if we would just have a little sense and a little perspective, right? This is one of the things, by the way, that separates men from boys mm-hmm. is, is men learn the principle of delayed gratification. And what's amazing, though, is that there is a whole lot more present gratification in following Christ than people ever realize, because most people never follow Christ. When Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, he wasn't talking just about uh, quantitatively on the other side. Yeah, He was talking about right now. Mm. You want the abundant life? Then follow me. Mm. And I will tell you, you know, one of my favorite verses in Psalm 37, where it says, I once was young, but now I'm old. Never ever seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants beg for bread all day long. He is gracious and lends, yeah. and his children are a blessing. I've walked with the Lord now, Doug, for um, about 40-some-odd years, and you know, about 40, what is it, 43 years. And I have experienced the abundant life. I haven't done it perfectly. There's too many green now genes in my head. <laughs> yeah. Okay? But I'm going to tell you something. God in his kindness has made me fall in love with Lady Wisdom. He's made me fall in love with his word. And I can tell you it is true. The man who finds wisdom and who gains understanding is blessed. Yes, he is. And, you know, the way of wisdom, that Lady Wisdom you're talking about from Proverbs, Manind, is so contrasted with the way of folly. And the way of folly, it says, leads to death. You know, it leads to death. That's what people don't realize. You know, that affair that you're out there, maybe you're in an affair or you're, whether it's pornography or or, or a real person, that, that is a way of folly that, that lady that is leading you there is leading you into death. And no, you, you, you physically may not die, but Todd, do you know anybody that's been in an affair that really felt fulfilled? I, I don't. The answer is, okay, not fulfilled is the wrong word, but let me just say, it's just like camp when he's six. He was so filled with joy. Yeah. Those first 48 hours. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? That, that, that's and true. So you get, you know, it, it, it's, it's why sin, I mean, sin is, uh, it, it's, it's 
it's poison covered with a thin layer of sugar. Yeah. And when you first put it in your mouth, you know, it, it is sweet. Mm-hmm. It gives immediate pleasant feedback, but it, it's, it's like cotton candy, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's, uh, it's, it's makes it ruins your life. You're sticky right afterwards mm-hmm. and it, it melts in your mouth right away and it doesn't nourish you mm-hmm. and it leaves you wanting. So no, you're right. I've never found anybody in the fair who is fulfilled, but I sure find them really happy the first week. Oh yeah. They think everything's great. Uh, that first week. Uh, but what they end up realizing, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember, and you might be able to fill in the blanks here because I'm sure it was, uh, it was somebody that we both know that said this, uh, or it's just been said a lot. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and uh, keep you keep long- you longer than you want to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's true. But at the time. All you can see is the green algae. You just see the immediate benefit. I'm going to get Coke all day, right? But that's what he was seeing. He really didn't want the Nalgene bottle as much as he wanted to be able to get Coke all day, right? That, that's 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 that lust of the eyes that says, "Man, I can do this." And uh, I, I just so appreciate you sharing that because it was. And, and folks, you're out there. You you can't see the picture of his son on Christmas Day. I wish you could. <laughs> it it was really priceless because he, it, it, I I can just hear Todd as a dad telling him this, and now seeing his face on that day, he's like, oh my, he really meant it. Because most well, kids think we don't mean it most of the time, Todd. That's the truth. You know, they think you say something, and okay, I, I'm just gonna, I'll get it, I'll get it, and get my way anyway. And that's what well, we let do. Well, let me let me just say this. Okay. That is the number one. One of the things you mentioned, real truth, real quick. Which, if people go to realtruthrealquick.com, they'll see about two hundred fifty plus odd questions I've answered. And one of the ones I did was, "What's the biggest mistake I see parents make?" Okay, mm-hmm. and I answer on there because this is really important, Doug. Mm-hmm. The biggest mistake I see parents make is they do not let their kids experience appropriate consequences to their choices. Mm -hmm. They continually rescue them. They don't let them experience. Again, it's cruel to let a six-year-old make a decision that forgoes a birthday and a Mm -hmm. Christmas. And Mm -hmm. I want to make it really clear. That was never my intention. This was not one of those moments, but I want but there's been lots of times that we have had kids that did not go to best friends, birthday parties (laughs) that, um, that on family vacations, we did not do things that we had planned on doing that was painful to us as parents because of behavior and choices our kids were making. And, and we were clear about the choices they were making and clear about the consequences. They weren't impulsive and they weren't uh, disproportionate. But it was clear that if they kept making these choices, this is what it was going to cost them. Mm-hmm. And the biggest mistake I see parents make is they, they exasperate their children because they are not clear with their boundaries and let them experience appropriate consequences in life. And what happens is sooner or later, those kids, they think they're always going to be able to wiggle their way, weasel their way out of it. Yep. And then they get out there and they realize that's not the way the world works. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, it's really imperative that you set clear boundaries, not impulsive, right? But you just say, look, if this happens again, and then be very careful it has given me so much authority as a parent that when I look my kids in the eye and say, look, look at your dad, you know, he's serious. Mm -hmm. If this happens again, 
this if you if you right now do that again this is what it's going to cost you and they know i will follow through yeah because if you don't follow through then they never know they don't have any assurance that you're not a person of your word you know when you say that and they they don't yeah that's that's really a good word i just want to tell people real quick real truth real com. r e a l T-R-U-T-H-R-E-A-L-Q-U-I-C-K.com. It's his podcast, and it's got uh, lots and lots of uh, uh, pages and stuff you can go through. That uh, That's just one of them. And, again, uh, Todd's uh, Words from Wags is his Twitter handle and his Instagram handle, Words from Wags. And his book, Come and See, is available on uh, Amazon.com. Todd, Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. How can we pray for you and your family, Todd? <laughs> That's easy, and I really mean it. That I would love Lady Wisdom, and I would love and abide with my Savior. That that discernment and discipline, uh, and the and the kindness of God would mark my life. And mm-hmm. and then if I if they just pray that I would abide with Him, that I would sit at the feet of. Uh, you know, I would dwell in the house of wisdom. That's, that, uh, of course, means I would follow Jesus all in my heart. That, that is a great prayer. Pray for Lady Wisdom for him, that he would abide with Jesus, and the kindness of God will mark his life. That's Todd Wagner. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Hey, you can listen to this or any past program by going to www.swatradio.com. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. Tomorrow, Bob Grauman will be on with David Gray. And uh, I just am so grateful. Todd, best wishes to you and your family. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. All right. Blessings, Doug. God bless you. See you. Yeah. Hey, thank you, folks, for listening. Big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, again, tune in tomorrow with uh, David Gray and Bob Grauman. Uh, And uh, we'll be back with more SWAT radio tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual